Let's welcome those who are watching online with us one time. Welcome, whatever state, whatever, come on, let's give it up for them. Whether you're, come on, everybody, let's go, let's give it up for them. Welcome, welcome. I don't know where you're watching from today, where you're coming from today exactly, but my name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is so good to see your face. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? I, I believe this, that you're, you're not here on accident. You're not here on accident. You are not a mistake that God has a very specific word for you today. You're here in this room. You're watching online. You maybe have been invited by a friend. Maybe you stumbled upon us online. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube later. But I believe that God is working all things together for your good if you're in Christ Jesus. And he is chasing us down with love. He's chasing us down with arms wide open. He has a word for you this morning. Does anyone believe that? Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's go to prayer here. Father, uh, and I just in encourage... Anyone that's with us in the room online, just stretch out your hands as a sign to say, Father, we're just here to surrender to you right here, right now. Jesus, I ask one thing, that you would hide me behind your cross, that you would be lifted high. That everyone under the sound of my voice would hear, not Andy speaking, but they would hear the Holy Spirit. That they would see the word of God before them. That they would see their Father in heaven chasing them down with arms wide open. Lord, I pray that during these moments, you would speak very specifically to the situations that are at hand. I'm thankful, Jesus, that your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to speak to the very thoughts of our heart and our mind, our very situation, because you never change. The word of the Lord endures forever. So, Father, we ask, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? We're going to be faithful to follow through with what you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name all God's people said. Amen. I am so excited to continue this series called Sold Out. We've been looking through the book of Acts, and I don't believe that, that it's just a coincidence or a mistake or, 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 oh, that's crazy luck. We don't believe in luck. We believe in the blessing of God, the grace of God, that he orchestrates and ordains our steps when we didn't even know. When God told me in September, September 29th, that we were supposed to go through the book of Acts. One of the things that he showed me is there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and we are still writing the story of the church today, the 29th chapter, on the 29th day. Does anyone believe that God has a word for you right here? I believe this. We're going to continue to look at Acts 16 today, verses 6 through 10. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow on in a physical Bible. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae and tried to enter in Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae, went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. Somebody say a vision. This is all going to connect. We're going to unpack and look at this text in depth a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul had seen the vision, and we got ready at once. We got to know that Luke is the one that's writing this book. He's talking about Paul, but Luke is writing this account. After Paul had seen the vision, we, meaning Luke with him, got ready to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I want to answer this question as we look at the word, this question this morning. How do I know God's will for my life? Does anyone want to know that? I'd like to know that. I want to give you another acronym, and I've been having a lot of fun with these acronyms, all right? So we're just getting going. I may replace main points with acronyms from here on out because it's just been fun. I've been on synonyms.com and thesaurus and rhyme zone, and it's just been fun. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an artist. I like to write poetry, spoken word, hip-hop, so it's just been fun. 
But it's also been amazing to see how God has connected the dots with all of these. So here's an acronym that I think most of us think about when we look at the will of God for our life today. Aimless, a little bit confused at times. Hey, I've been there. Threatened by God. I don't know, God. I don't know if I can fully trust surrendering my life to you because surrender to most of us looks as a place of fear and not freedom yet. Let me say that again. Surrender is actually meant to be a place of freedom, not fear. But but when we think about the will of God, it's such a crazy theological concept, the sovereignty of God, and yet God gives us free will. I don't know, God. I just feel a little threatened by not just entrusting you my relationships, but also my wallet. Also, my time has just got really quiet. Uh Uh-oh. And S, some of us, if we're just being honest, and I've been there so many times, we have a scarcity mindset that there's only so much blessing to go around. That if God blesses one of my friends and I see their Instagram highlight reel, I'm envy in my heart because I don't think that God is a God of abundance yet. There's only so much blessing. Can I tell you that in your father's house, there is a place for you. That the Lord has an inheritance for you. And at the end of the day, the inheritance is Christ himself. It's not a bigger house, better shoes, better square footage. It's actually Christ. He's the inheritance because he's the best blessing. Isn't it crazy? Psalm 23, one says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I lack nothing. So many of us were praying for the next when God says, you already have it. And it's me. That's the kind of perspective of thankfulness and gratitude that's unstoppable. To say, if I don't even have what I'm praying for yet, I'm already blessed because I'm in Christ Jesus. The riches of God's grace fill me. I have royalty flowing through my veins. So we're going to unpack this idea of what does it mean to live in God's will? Because he, he, he wants you to know you're not a mistake. He has a very specific plan and purpose for your life. You weren't a coincidence, an accident, but he has a purpose and a plan. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So I want to show you a map. This is where Paul's at on his missionary journey. Anyone ever think this is what the will of God looks like in your life? Just a bunch of squiggles and like, how did I get to one church here on October 22nd, 2023? Well, we know in in the Psalms that God ordains our steps, that it's this crazy theological concept that we have to try to wrap our minds around. We won't yet fully understand, even until eternity. That the Lord is sovereign, but he also gives you free will. That he's in control. Another acronym for the sovereignty of God is he always controls the final say, but he gives you free will. That God ordains things and places in your life. Did you choose the family you were born into? No. Did you choose the city you were born into? No. Did you choose the generation? No. But did he also give you free will to live for him or to not? Yes. And so we're, we're navigating Lord, there's moments where you've ordained things, but there's moments where it's literally just been up to me to say, am I going to take the ball and run with this, or am I going to be disobedient and push away? And this is Paul's journey, his missionary journey. He's going around from all these different places that we would see as modern-day Turkey and modern-day Europe and modern-day Asia. But Paul, at the time, you have to guess that he probably thought this just looked like a bunch of chaos in his mind at the time. When really God was very strategic every step of the way. Here's a new acronym that I want to unpack as we look at this text this morning. First, somebody say ask. Now somebody say wait for confirmation. His timing. And know that God is strategic. Did I, was I supposed to say the whole sentence? Just say strategic. Here's, 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 the, here's the title of the sermon this morning. You ready? He's right on time. 
Turn to your neighbor and just tell him he's right on time. Turn to the person behind you, tell him, believe it. Really say it like you believe it, he's right on time. Somebody's like, I don't know, these bills are coming quick. I hope he's right on time. I am right there with you. Here's number one. Somebody just say, ask. Number one, you know, I, I'm a father of two daughters, and I love it. I love it. I am a girl dad down to the bone, okay? And, and when someone says, Andy, you know, before I had kids, they would say, you'd make a good girl dad. I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, <laughs> but, but I took it as a compliment. I don't know if that's like, oh, you come across so tender. You would be a great girl dad. But I'm a boy dad, you know? That's like every guy's response, you know? And uh, I thought both of my girls would be boys. I even told the, the, the tech in the, uh, the, the ultrasound room, you know, our second time. I was like, I was confident the first one was a boy. I'm even more confident this one's a boy. And I'll never forget, she turned around and she said, well, and this is at like 10 weeks. She said, if I was going home today, I would tell my husband that we're having a boy, or having a girl, excuse me. And I was like, oh, okay. So I've been wrong. I was 0 for 2. I have learned that the Lord does not give me discernment in predicting the gender of your baby. So don't ask me. I am maybe one for nine from the field goal range. Okay. But you know what my daughter does a lot right now? She asks for things. And she's very persistent. I don't know if she's in the room right now. You know, she's even started to lean into the whole, I ask mommy first and then go to daddy and see if daddy will change his mind or vice versa. She's only two. She's already like, Hey, uh, mommy said I can have M&Ms. And I'm like, did she? Mommy, did she? No, no, right? And she, she's persistent. She asks, and, you know, at times it can be funny, but there's this childlike faith that children just sense, I'm just going to ask. Why would I not ask? And as adults, we grow older, pride starts to seep in. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask for directions. I'm not going to ask for help financially. I'm not going to ask for anything. I want to come to Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Jesus says this. Somebody say, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This isn't like I open the door to a new Lamborghini, okay? This is like, no, I ask to get in alignment with the will of God. If I'm in alignment with the will of God, then anything I ask according to his will, it shall be done in Jesus' name. But, but, the catch here, according to his will, okay? This is where it gets off. Knock and the door will be open to you. Verse 8, everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will what? It will be open. Some of you are waiting for an open door. I know that's where I'm at. Different things I've been praying about. I'm waiting for an open door. James 1.5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, God is so generous. He is so kind. Just ask God. He'll give it to you generously without finding fault. He won't dissect your past and look at all the mistakes you made sexually or relationally. He will give you wisdom if you just ask. Isn't that good news? We don't deserve it, but it will be given to you. I've been doing a, a research study in my own personal time with the Lord about the difference between being smart and wise. And uh, if I'm just being honest, I grew up, I didn't really feel like the smartest kid in the room, ever. You know, when I got into high school, college, the people that could, like, memorize the test, uh, study guide back and forth, like, I was intimidated by those people, okay? For us normal people out here, I had to, like, make my own acronyms to remember, are you with me this morning, okay, to, like, get a good grade on the test? But there's a difference between being smart and wise. Actually, as you unpack it biblically, smart is knowing about God, but wisdom is knowing God personally. That you can know a lot of facts about the Bible, but it's just like sunblock. You can have a lot of sunblock in your house, but if it's not applied, 
like the word of God, you're going to get burned. Smart and wise are two different things. Wisdom is applying knowledge. We need knowledge. We don't want to be those believers that say, I don't really need theology. I don't really need anything. That was my heart posture when I came into Indiana Westland, and God quickly rebuked me because my people perish for a lack of what? Knowledge. So we, we have to know. We have to know the word. But if we don't apply the word, look at what James says later. Oh, we're going to wait for that. James chapter 1. He, he goes on and says, if you know things about the word, but you don't apply it, you're, look, you're like someone that looks into the mirror and forgets what they look like. That we don't want to be just knowers of the word. We want to be, somebody said doers. So here's the two types of the word that I want to help you understand for a second. There's the logos word of God. There's the rhema word of God. This is the logos word of God. This is the authoritative word of God. We believe it. Old and New Testament, we believe it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It is active. It is still our compass today. Can somebody give me an amen? Some of us are waiting for an answer from God, but we haven't been in our word. I love this quote. Don't tell me your God is silent if your Bible is closed. We got to know that the Lord is speaking 24-7, 365 in the Logos word of God. But let's go back a slide for a second. What is the rhema word of God? Now, I brought up my journals here for a second because God is specific. He doesn't just say, go and plant a church. God gave me very detailed strategic steps to plant a church in Westfield at this time, at this space, call it with this name. That was a rhema word of God. That God does not just speak to us through his word, but he gives us a specific word at a specific time for your house, for your marriage, the rhema. Somebody say the rhema, the, the rhema word of God. This is how Abraham knew to go and move. This is how Joshua knew to go and lead them through the promised land. This is how Moses knew to go and lead the Israelites out of slavery. These were rhema words of God. They weren't just flipping through a scripture and said, oh, I'm supposed to do it. God showed up to them in a vision, in a dream. Somebody else told them, you know, the, the way that we even got called to plant one church is someone else asked me. They just asked they said in my ordination meeting about three years ago, today, in this time frame, October of 2020, my superintendent came to me and said, hey, have you ever thought about planting a church in your hometown? And I was like, Jonah, in the moment. I was like, I'm running, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. But over time, one confirmation after the next, you, here's what you have to know. If God's going to give you a rhema word, you have to be faithful to write it down. A lot of us, God is speaking to you, but you're not writing it down. It's biblical. Write it down. Literally, you all, if, if you were to go through these journals, my phone that's in my backpack right now, you would find thousands of notes. Whenever the Holy Spirit puts something in my heart, I write it down. I date it. I'll take a picture. At this moment, at this space, God spoke this to me. That kind of intimacy. That kind of detailed discernment. The Logos word, the rhema word of God. I want to share with you a, a story that I was reading about from the Gospel Coalition. Just read this story with me. I'll read it out loud. You don't have to read it with me together. One of the desert fathers was approached by an eager young student. He said, Abba, give me a word from God. Anyone want a word of God this morning, right? A word from the Lord. And the wise mentor asked if the student would agree to come back until he had fully lived the word. Uh-oh. Yes, the eager student said, then this is the word of God. Then you shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The young man disappeared. It seemed forever. 25 years later, the student 
had the temerity to come back and say, well, I lived the word you gave. Do you have another word? The desert father said, once again, you must not come back until you have lived it. I agree. Love your neighbor as yourself then. The student never came back. What is that supposed to say? Some of us are asking for clarity when God is waiting for our commitment. We are asking for a rhema word of God when God said, hey, first and foremost, I want you to know the logos word. The word that says, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as thyself. You know what the will of God is? Those two things for your life. You can bank on that. A lot of us are waiting for a rhema word because we don't like what the logos word says. This isn't shopping cart Christianity. This isn't like, I, I like that one, but I, I, I keep that one out of the cart. I keep that on the shelf. We take it all or nothing. It's the word. So I want to share this in a visual for you all. I remember having a mentor sit me down. He, he showed me this picture on a napkin one time. This is at Indiana Westland, and his name was P.D., Pastor Donnie. Now, some of you started calling me P.A. Shout out to Christian Tina <coughs> somewhere. P.A. is cool. I, I, if you want me to pick a nickname, that, I like P.A. more than Pastor Andy. So just for the future, just tossing that out there since we're a family now, okay? But he, he put this on a napkin, and he didn't use the word striving or striding. He used the word talent or anointing. And it was a very serious moment in our discipleship at Indiana Westland when I was a student. He said, Andy, where you're going you can take one of two paths. You can go by talent or you can go by anointing. And here's the thing. Talent will get you there faster. But only anointing can sustain the success that you will experience. Okay, so let's take a step back from that. Somebody say striving. Somebody say striding. We're doing a lot of call and response today. I'll give you a break for a second. Just making sure you're with me. But God's goal for your life when it comes to the will of God is that you are not striving. You are striding. Striving is taking these awkward, slow little steps. You're bumping into things. You're, you're trying it in your own strength. You're trying to convince and prove yourself. You're trying to do all these things to make sure your plans come together. Where striding is taking one long step after the next. You are in the flow of the Holy Spirit. He says, go left. You go left. He says, pause. You pause. You stride. So what do I mean by that? First off, striding starts with a pure heart. Psalm 24 says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and what? A pure heart. If you want to know the will of God for your life, start out with the Logos word, then get a pure heart before God. Some of us, we're, we're, we're in this striving versus striding. See, striving is only if faith. Striving is only if God blesses me the way I want him to, then I'll give him my life. Striding says, I've already given you my life, so your kingdom come, your will be done. Whatever it looks like, God, I'm in. James, like I told you earlier, says this, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Anyone who listens to the word but no, does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and verse 24, after looking at himself, goes away and imme immediately forgets what he looks like. I, I wanna share, a, excuse me, a quote with you that I heard in college that always stuck with me and it's this, be careful to not be educated beyond your level of obedience. Because we come into church today and we say, Pastor, tell me something I didn't know. When God says, would you obey the things that you do know? And I'll never forget this, man. It sticks in my mind like clear as day. I was on an airplane one time. I sit down next to someone and I, I started reading my Bible. I, I think this was like four, five, six years ago. And I was reading one of the Gospels. And this guy sitting next to me on the airplane, he looked at me like, oh, that's cute. I remember when I first heard that story. 
And, and it was this posture in his heart that it's like, if I just know the word, that's enough. But the Lord is really clear. He's not after for your knowledge. He's after your obedience. You know what's impressive to the world? Eloquence and impressive speech, memorization. You know what's really impressive to God? Obedience. You want to impress your heavenly father? Do everything he puts in your heart to do. Say yes to every command he's given you. That is what pleases your father. You know, when I look at Aliana, she doesn't have to impress me by all the things that I've taught her. What impresses me when she, is when she says, yes, daddy. I'm sorry, daddy. Yes, I'll go there, daddy. Yes, I'll go and apologize to mommy because it's all about the heart. If your heart is pure before the Lord, everything else will take care of itself. Seek first the what? The kingdom of God. Everything else will fall into place. Get yourself a pure heart before the Lord. And matter of fact, get people around you that also have a pure heart. Because I remember so many times in my life, I have a pure heart to please God. At least I'm trying to with all my might and power and strength. And you're around people that are not for you, that do not have a pure heart. Be careful that you don't cast your pearls to the swine, Jesus says. Matthew 7, 6. So let's keep moving on. Number two, somebody say confirmation. Let me break it down even further. Striving or striding. We're coming back to the main text. Here, hang on for a second. Striving is often shame or envy driven. Sometimes we pray for things because we want something that someone else has on our Instagram feed that we saw. It's envy driven. I love this podcast I was listening to from Chad Veach. He talked about how most of us are envy driven instead of creative driven. That we want to pray, God, would you give me this? Because we feel the pressure that someone else thinks we're supposed to have that. That we're not measuring up to where we think we should be unless we have that thing. But can I encourage you and just take all the pressure off your shoulders this morning? If you, if you don't hear anything, just, just remember this. You're living for an audience of one. Isn't that freeing? That you don't have to bear the weight and the pressure of everyone else's opinion. Everyone else's co-sign on what you think is, you know, God's will for your life. Yes, get mentors, get accountability. But at the end of the day, you know who you're going to stand before? God himself. That's freeing. If you're living in obedience, then that should be the most freeing thing. But striding is spirit-driven. There's a difference between selfish ambition and calling. We live in a day and age where the church likes to call it like this hustle-grind culture. And really, it would be like the antithesis of the opposite of what Philippians 2 would say, do nothing out of selfish ambition. But think of others higher than yourself. Serve others. Go calling over selfish ambition. So Acts 16.10, how does this all connect to the word that we read earlier? Confirmation. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to leave Macedonia. Somebody said, concluding, God gave them confirmation. God closed the door. And then he made sure they knew which one was the open door because God wants to be clear with you. He's not trying to play hide and seek with you, okay? He gives you his word first as clear as day, compass. What is the will of God for my life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you, First Thessalonians. But then he comes with a rhema word, knowing that they're gonna be faithful with with the, the first commands that the Lord has given us. And so this is where confirmation can come from. If you're asking Andy, how do I know? Confirmation can come from the Logos word. It can come from the Rhema word. If the Rhema word you think God put it in your heart is not in the Logos word, it's not from God. 
So check that one off the list. God told you to go jump off a bridge? I don't think so. I think the Lord would be very clear about this in his word. So check that off. Then go for, okay, did I, maybe I heard it in a vision, in a dream. Let me check that with the word. But you need to have a trusted circle around you, three to five people, that when you feel the, word, the Lord give you a word, you can go to them. Say, what do you think about this? I've had many times where I thought God gave me a rhema word and the Lord closed the door. And so many of us, we're, we're waiting to get into this because we're scared, but you have to step out in faith. The Lord says, test the spirits to see which ones are from the Lord and which ones are not. You have to use faith as a muscle. You have to work it out to know, to then make a list of years and years and years. This is why we write it down, because we remember when it didn't work. You write it down. Okay, in 2016, I thought that was from God. I thought that was the girl I was going to marry. Okay, I got your attention now. All right, some of you fading. Oh, Lord, she's the one. Check it off with some mentors. I don't know, Andy. Closed door. I remembered that because I wrote it down. I remembered what I felt because I wrote it down where I was navigating between the Logos word of God, the Rhema word of God. When I say no to Aliana, it's because I love her. When Aliana comes to me and asks me for the fifth package of M&Ms and it's not even 12 o'clock yet, you realize I say no because I love her, right? Here's the truth, though, on a serious note. It would be dangerous. It would be dangerous if God gave you everything you wanted today. If God gave you all of your heart's desires today, he would not be a good father. Why? Because a good father knows the right time, at the right place, at the right season, with the right people around you. God is withholding some blessings from us because you don't have the right people around you yet. That God knows that if I bless you in the way I wanted you to, it would be canceled out by the voices that you have given access into your life right now. Some of the things that God wanted to do in my life that I wanted him to do seven years ago, praise be to God, he said no. Because I didn't have the right community around me yet to help me know how to steward it. Are you with me this morning? We have to position ourselves. We have to prepare ourselves. Some of us, we want to believe God wants to bless us, but you're not preparing yourself. Oh, well, Andy, I want to be in relationship with that person. I want a spouse, but are you preparing yourself? I heard someone say one time, instead of spending more time praying for the right person, become the right person who is ready to marry that person. Well, Andy, I'm praying for that job. One interview after the next. What if every rejection in the interview just raised your expectation of what God wanted to do? What if every single time God said no, it just raised your expectation? Oh, then I might not be praying big enough. I might not be dreaming big enough. God, you must have something that's a better fit for me, something that will be more tailored to where you're taking me because God is for you. The very first lie in the garden, Genesis, it was to believe that God was just not for you. Did God really say? The first lie on planet Earth came down to a question where you could trust if your father could say no and still be for you. So Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region. You know, when you you look up all these texts, you have to like listen to the thing out loud that tells you Phrygia and Galatia. Okay, I'm trying to get the pronunciation down. Having been kept from the Holy Spirit, somebody go fact check me on that later, okay? When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bethnia, but the Spirit of Jesus would what? He wouldn't allow them. 
Now you could say, well, Andy, they're after like really good things. They just wanted to go preach the good news. But God knows at the right time, with the right people, at the right situation, that he'll say no to say yes later to something bigger, better, and more tailored to where he's taking you. I remember Indiana Westland, 2014, 2015. I often reflect on this time because I had three concussions. My first one, my sophomore year of varsity basketball, JV varsity at that time, I got hit clothesline by a Canadian dude who was chasing me down. I got a concussion. Second one, I got an elbow to the temple. What's funny is my parents didn't want me to play football because they thought I would get concussions. Here I am, concussion number two. I got an elbow to the temple and a rebounding drill. My third one, I don't even know what happened. I played through my third concussion, lied to my coaches. We don't deserve to be blessed. I don't deserve to be up here. Lied to my coaches out of pride because I was fearful that I would lose my starting spot. And I lost my starting spot four games into the season by guess who? Charlie Warner, who's a part of one church. You didn't even know that. Now that he's attending one church, we can joke about that now. But he was wearing my jersey, okay? So, but you know what my dream was? My first dream ever, when I was seven years old, I wanted to play in the NBA, okay? I told my mom, you're going to think I'm crazy. I wanted to get my hair cut like Allen Iverson. Now you're like, okay, it all makes sense in this moment. Andy, wow, okay. But I wanted to play in the NBA. You know, I was a first grader, and we'd go around the room, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, well, I want to play in the NBA. I want to get my mom a Ferrari, and I want to take care of my, you know, like every good young kid. Okay. Oh, you know, you know what's funny, though, is not everything we say to our kids, you can be whatever you become is the will of God. We give that message to our kids. Right? Do whatever you want. Be whatever you want. But that's not the will of God for their life. The will of God is to surrender to him. What I love about Psalm 37, 4 is he doesn't give us our desires. He gives us new desires. That's what I love about our Heavenly Father is when Psalm 37, 4 says he'll give you the desires of your heart, it's because he's giving you new ones that he will fulfill in Jesus' name. And guess what? I love when one of my roommates told me this in college. They said, sometimes God will have to crush your dreams to rebuild them better than you could have ever imagined. Where it's not according to the flesh anymore, it's all by the spirit. And then you stride. You stride and you stride. That doesn't mean you're, gonna have, you're not going to have trials. Last week, if you want to go watch my sermon last week, we're going to have persecution. We're going to have trials. But how many of you know if God is for you, who could be against you? If he's already declared you victorious, come on, let's give him a shout of praise. If he's already told you that he's gone before you, then you can continue to strive and to navigate the challenges of life. But I remember I visited Indiana Westland, and I wanted to play at Indiana Westland. And because of my concussions, people stopped recruiting me. So... Taylor told me I could walk on it. Taylor, no offense to Taylor, but I was like, I'm going to Iowa. And I remember talking to this coach. His name was Coach Clark. I shared with you all this last Sunday that Coach Clark, he was the same guy that is now mentoring me and what it means to do basketball chaplain ministry. Now, let me just share this with you. Romans 8.28. He was the same guy that gave me my visit to Indiana Westland and the door shut almost 10 years ago. And God knew almost 10 years later, that he would be a mentor to me to now know how to be an NBA chaplain, how to be a basketball chaplain, how to speak the language of sports and culture. Can I tell you, when God says no, he knows what he's doing. He loves you. He's for you. He's in it with you. He's not against you. So let me give you a picture of what striving and striding really looks like. This is what it looks like. 
striving, when the door shuts, you feel like you got to kick that door open, all right? But striding trust that at the right time, the door will open. That I, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to wait for the right time, at the right place, at the right season. There's this moment in David's life. David was anointed to be king. Anyone know what I'm talking about with David? Just raise your hand, okay? So he waited more than 10 years to be king. Anointed as a teenager, doesn't become king until 30 years old. And here's the truth. You got to know this. The devil will always give you an excuse to cut corners. The devil will always give you an excuse to cut corners because here's, here's where David's at. David's anointed to be king. God knew, he knew what was spoken over his life, but it was not his time yet. Just turn to your neighbor, tell him it's not his time. And here he is in a cave, and this is the moment where he could take Saul out. He had dirty laundry on what Saul was doing. He had all this evidence of why Saul shouldn't be king and why he should. And then he cuts off a corner. See, the devil always gives you an excuse to cut corners. He cuts off a corner of Saul's robe because all of his friends are pressuring him to rush what God was trying to slow down. And it says David was conscious stricken because he was a man after God's own heart. So he recognized that this was not his time yet. So he stepped back. He was convicted. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is before Christ. Conviction is after Christ. Once you're saved and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at you, I'll never forget 2016. I, I actually asked a girl to be my girlfriend when I was at Indiana Westland. The moment we became boyfriend and girlfriend, I lost all my peace. And my friends were like, come on, let's go, man. You're the man, let's go. And I'm like, I just lost all my peace. I don't have any peace about this as I'm giving all the high fives because it was not the will of God for my life. But the devil, he'll always give you an excuse to cut corners. Look at what Exodus 14, 14 says. The Lord will what? He'll fight for you. You only need to be still. Let's take this a step further. Thinking about Paul's journeys, where God has him, why God has him. Manipulation always bears the weight of performance. When we start to take things into our own hands, we apply for that job and we fib a little bit. Hey, that person gave me a reference when they really didn't. Now you bear the weight of performance. You have to prove to them the lie that you just proclaimed. When striding, you trust the anointing of God. Come on, you trust the timing of God. You trust that if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, at the perfect time, he'll lift you up. At the perfect time, he'll open that door. At the perfect time, he'll make the job happen. At the perfect time. And that ends on my birthday. Some of you are like, okay. The perfect, happy birthday, he said, amen. It was the perfect timing. And I remember it was just about two weeks before that that I stopped trying to pursue a girl in my life. Here's the truth, is God is waiting to bless you with what he has for you until you're okay without it. That's when your heart's ready. Some things God wants to bless you with, but you're not ready yet because he knows it would immediately turn into an idol. So God is saying, I love my kids so much I know their life, I know how many hairs on their head, I know their past, I know their present, I know their future, that I cannot give them what I want to give them yet, and he's so excited to give you what he has for you. But he wants to make sure your character is ready to steward the calling that he has for you. So look at what Isaiah says, even youths grow tired and weary, young men shall faint and fall exhausted, but those who what? Who wait 
for the Lord. Shall mount up on wings like eagles. Now when I say weight, let's show an illustration of this. Most of us think weight looks like this. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to wait. God's going to bring the girl into my life. He's going to bring the job. And I'll get off the couch and everything will be okay. Can I give you a new picture of what waiting looks like this morning? You serve while you wait. You wait like a waiter, a waitress waits on tables to say, even if I don't have the thing I'm praying for yet, in the meantime, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and serve in the body. I'm going to serve my neighbor. I'm going to serve my wife. I'm going to serve my kids because I'm just going to go back to the logos where the basic things to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love my neighbor as thyself. And eventually, your spirit won't care whether or not it happens today or tomorrow because you're content. The secret of life, Paul the Apostle said, in Christ was the secret of contentment. That when your neighbor gets blessed, you're not threatened by them, but you can celebrate them. Because you know, if I have a seat in my father's house, then my best friend, my family, that other pastor, when they're winning, I'm winning because we're on the same team and I trust that God is for me. He's not against me. So I can wait in the meantime knowing, God, in due time, you're going to come through. You're striding. You're not striving. Look at what 2 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13 says. Now Paul says this, Now I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. Notice how these two stories connect. And found that the Lord had what? He had opened a door for me, but I still had no peace of mind. Now two things from this. If you want to ask if you're living in the will of God, do you have peace? Now peace doesn't mean all your circumstances are neat, cute, and cuddly, okay? You can have peace in the midst of chaos, some of us, we are in the will of God, and it's confirmation because of the opposition you're receiving. Planting this church, stepping out in my calling, so many times when people rise up against me, when they say things about me, there are many times where the Lord lets me experience the confirmation because the same things happen to him. Jesus said, if they hate you, they hated me. If they persecute you, they, they persecuted me. Don't be surprised. So maybe the confirmation for you this morning is the amount of pushback you are receiving from the evil one. But that's different than just not having peace. Are you with me? Not having peace is like when you're in a good thing, that's not a God thing. When I was in that relationship with that girl, and, and you know, the body of Christ in America, you know, many people would say, well, you get to just choose who you can marry as long as you're within these parameters. But I really do believe God has a very specific plan, a specific timeline, a specific person. And so at that moment, once we broke up, guess what? I got all my peace back. I'll never forget. I was talking to one of my roommates on the phone, and she ended up breaking up with me because I waited seven months to make the decision, Okay. And I'll never forget, I'm on the phone with one of my boys, and, and I'm like, you know, she just broke up with me, but for some reason, all my joy and peace is back. Why? Because I was back in the will of God for my life. Isn't that amazing that you can have less with God and be more joyful than more without him? But look at what Paul says, I had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. Let's go even deeper here. Some of us, God is asking you to step into what's next, but your circle looks different than you thought it would, so you're afraid to step out. If I knew six years ago how much my community would have changed, I don't even know what I would have done. Paul says, let's go back to that text for a second. The Lord, he, what, he opened a door for me, but I had no peace of mind because I didn't find my 
my brother there, that so much of us were waiting for the familiar to come back to us before we step out in faith. Well, my, my, my boy from high school is not with me anymore. Well, that, that, that family member is not with me anymore. I don't know if I can go without them. Can I encourage you? The Lord is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. There have been many times in my life where my community has changed, and the Lord has come to me very, very clearly and said, Andy, I am the one that is closer than a brother. I'll never leave you. I'm always there for you. I'll never forsake you. So here's a question that I have for you. As you discern the will of God for your life, what if it wasn't betrayal, but it was just the beginning of a new season? Well, Andy, that person left my life. They stabbed me in the back. They walked out the door. I thought they were going to be with me. What if, the next question, what if it wasn't punishment, it was protection? So many times in our life, someone will leave our life, and we will think it was betrayal, but God was just protecting you. Well, well, Andy, I thought they would be with me. I thought we were going to be homies to the end. I thought we'd all be doing this all together. And the Lord said, I have a better, more fitting community for you than right now you could ever think of, dream of, or imagine. Let's just make this real personal. I remember when we got called to plant the church three years ago in this month. And I was scared. My community was changing. My close, close inner circle was changing. And I had a vision from the Lord. I don't get visions all the time. But I wrote it down. It was right around October, and it was a vision of people walking to me. It wasn't weird. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, you were all these people. I felt like the Lord said, Andy, a harvest of people are coming your way. You don't know them yet. You don't even know how they're going to get here. Can I tell you, you are a fulfillment of that word God gave me. Like you in this room, Juana, people that are on our leadership team. Chris, I mean, I could go down the list of all the people in my life. Rick, people that have spoken into my life. You are a fulfillment of a moment where I was very isolated and lonely, and God said, I have something better in mind for you. Does anyone want to praise God for that? Does anyone believe that, that the Lord, you thought it was a setback, and God said, this is a setup for my glory to be displayed in your life in Jesus' name. So here's number three. We'll be done in a few minutes. Number three is timing. Somebody say timing. God is never late, we're just early. Do you believe that? He's, he's, he's right on time. I remember another time in my life, you know, this, this crazy opportunity was opening up. I felt like Paul, where I thought it was a door from the Lord, but it wasn't. And this hip-hop artist from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and my mentor at the time, they were going to set up a, a traveling speaking tour where I was going to speak, I was going to do spoken word, and as a 21-year-old I was, guess what? I wasn't ready for that. But I was excited. Yes, Lord, I wrote it down in my journal. I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, like, send me. Here am I, send me, Lord, right? And the door shut clearly. Not even possible. Not even in connection with some of those people anymore. I want to share this quote that a commentator wrote on this passage. He said, we note with interest that the Holy Spirit is actually forbidding Paul to do something we normally think of as good. It was a good thing that I wanted to go do. Most people wouldn't look at that and say, Andy, that was terribly sinful. You wanted to go preach the gospel in different cities? This is Paul's story. Preaching God's word to those who need it. Yet the Spirit of God directed this work, and Paul was not the right person at the right place at the right time to begin preaching the gospel. There was certainly nothing wrong with Paul's desire to preach the word, but it wasn't God's timing. So he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. This is kind of funny, but can I show you an illustration of wrong timing versus right timing? This is what it looks like. 
Wrong timing just leads to frustration. Right timing leads to fruit. Well, Andy, I want to go practice and preach. I want to go share the truth with the world, and I want to go and go. Well, you have to be very detailed in your discernment with the word of the Lord, the rhema word of God at the right time, because the right timing will bear the right fruit. I cannot reiterate this enough when it comes to sharing your faith. Many times I will walk past someone and the Lord will prompt me to plant a seed and they'll respond a certain way and the Lord will remind me it was the right timing for that seed to be planted. And then I'll come across someone else and the Lord will say, not right now. Because they're not ready to hear what you have to say just yet. Wait for the right timing. This is so funny. This just happened at Planet Fitness the other day. There was a person I know God called me to witness to right at, at, right at the desk. Make this very practical. I'll walk past them two or three times. My early morning workout, I'm trying to get in there more than twice a week. Keep me accountable, okay? Three times, four times. Come on, Wesley, let's go, baby. Got to watch out for this dad bod. Okay, here we go. All right, so, but, but here's the thing is, the Lord told me it wasn't the right timing. And, and in the moment, it's like, that, that doesn't seem right, God. They need to hear the gospel. Guess what? I saw him at Meyer just a few days later where it was just us. We exchange contact information. He might even see this. I don't even think it's weird to do that because it was God's timing. All of a sudden, we were able to relate in ways that if I just approached him right there at his job, he might have been jarred. He might have been like, I, I don't know. But in this moment, it bared fruit. Wrong timing, frustration. Right timing, somebody say fruit. Another way to say is this, when it's not God's timing, you can't force it. When it is God's timing, you cannot stop it because he's sovereign, because he knows. He's the alpha and omega. He's, he's in the past, present, future. He's omnipresent. He's all around you. Here's number four. Would you stand to your feet this morning? We'll be done. I know this is a little longer this morning. I want you to get this teaching. Here's uh, uh, number four, and I want to share a picture with you, striving versus striding. So number four, we got to know it's God's timing is strategic. Here's the last picture I want to show you. Striving will get you there faster, but it will end in a crash and burn. Striding will take slower, but it will sustain you for the long haul. Can I tell you that one of the most fulfilling things in my life right here, right now, is that I listen to what that dude drew on the napkin. I listened. Now I fought it. And there's been many times where I've tried to take it in my own hands. Well, if I can do this and do that, maybe I'll get a step further than the rest. But as I look back in my life, I actually listened to what he was telling me. Can I tell you, I have no regrets of doing that. I took the path of striding. I took the path of anointing. And I want to share this with you. I, I wrote in my journal, I have it right here. As you can see up here, I drew a circle right here. Some of you might not be able to see that. Like, Andy, that's really tiny. I cannot see that. I drew a full circle right here. This was, he said, I can see it. December 9th of 2020. Now, what's really crazy is that was the same day last year that we agreed on the partnership with the YMCA. I just realized that. So that's crazy. Did not even plan to share that. But I drew a full circle of where I started, okay? And I shared this. This is just my testimony. I just want to make this practical, applicable to you. I started, if you want to look at the geography in my life, in Westfield. This is my hometown. This is where I grew up. God sent me up to Marion. And then I went over to Muncie, started the campus ministry. I came back to Fishers. And then I came back to Westfield. And God drew a full circle. Why? This is what I want to share with you this morning. The full circle gives your character time to catch up to your calling. 
if God would have drawn a straight line from Westfield to Westfield, I would not have been ready. I would have blown it. My character wasn't ready. He physically and spiritually drew a full circle in my life. That is my story. I, I literally went up to Marion. I went over to Muncie and I went over to Fishers and this gave me time so that I would not rely on striving, but I would rely on the anointing of God that is beyond my power, beyond my intellect, beyond my gifting, beyond my personality. You know why? God wants to do something so big in your life that only he could deserve the glory for. That people would say, I can't even believe that that's possible. God has to give the glory. God has to get the glory for that. So look at what happens. Acts 16, 6 through 10. How does this apply to the scripture? Paul and his companions, they traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, they came to the border of Mycenae. Somebody just say they. Okay, now I want to connect this for you. They came to the border of Mycenae. The spirit of Jesus would not allow them to enter. They passed by Mycenae. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia and just begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we, now somebody say we. I want to read this quote for you that's going to blow your mind with this text. David Guzik, he says this. At the time, Paul probably had no idea of the greatness of God's purpose. God wanted to give him, instead of a city for God, he wanted to give him a continent for Jesus. As you look at this, Paul wanted to go to these specific cities, but as he was led to Macedonia, this would be the spread of the church as we would know today as Europe. Paul wanted a city. Jesus wanted a continent. And better yet, guess who's writing this book? Luke. Guess what Luke was? He was a personal doctor. Here's the truth. God is not just looking out for your spiritual needs. Luke goes with them. God cares about your physical needs. He cares about your mental needs. He cares about your emotional needs. That God said, no, I'm going to close that door. I don't just want a city. I want a continent for Jesus. And I'm going to send a doctor with you. And I'm going to send an incredible community with you. That's how much he loved Paul. That's how much he loves you. Do you believe that this morning? When God is for you, every closed door is a blessing in disguise. It's a gift. You're in your interviews right now. You're dating right now. You're waiting for the breakthrough to get to this place, to that place. When God says no, receive it as a gift. That God is protecting you. Another way to say it is this. When we're playing checkers, God is playing chess. He sees the move, two moves ahead of you. He knows. I mean, what if the disappointment in your life was just preparation for the divine appointment? What if every rejection just raised your level of expectation? Come on, Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that, somebody say, in all things. In all things, Andy, even my mistakes, yes. Even in my trauma, yes. Even in the betrayals, yes. He will take the trauma into a triumph. He'll take betrayal into a blessing. He'll take a mistake into a masterpiece. He will take a grave to a garden. Let me just make this very practical for you in my life right here. This picture. I went to NBA All-Star Weekend. And I met these guys from He Gets Us. And I happened to be at the right place at the right time. What's so funny is I get to this game. 
First off, I didn't have any tickets, okay? So I show up, All-Star Weekend. I'm just serving. I'm serving as a help to the chaplains. I'm serving as a volunteer for He Gets Us. And I sit down at the Rising Stars game. Cannot make this up. This is my story. And I'm sitting alone up in the balcony. Someone gave me tickets last second. I was just like, man, this is just cool to be here. I'm at All-Star Weekend. Come on, okay? And then these two guys come and sit right next to me. The director, executive director of the He Gets Us campaign, the whole thing, sits right down next to me. And this guy on the side of me, he handles all the partnerships for all the NBA teams and He Gets Us. We sit right next to each other, enjoy the game together. Right place, right time, right people. Now let's take this a step further. I was in this hotel room. I'm going deeper. I wept in this hotel room. You know why? Because I wept in this moment because I remembered the concussions. I remembered being at Indiana Westland and all of my dreams. No, 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 no. Almost 10 years later, I'm sitting in a hotel room saying, oh my gosh, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Let me say it again. When we're playing checkers, God is playing chess. He sees the move before you see it. Isaiah 55, his ways are higher than yours. His thoughts are higher than yours. And here's the beautiful truth about the Lord. is when you take the path of anointing, you, put, you take the path of striding. This is what happens. This biblical concept called divine acceleration, that things that should take 15 years happen in five years. Things that happen in five years take one year because you took God's way. Let's go back to that illustration where it has the arrow because you can get there faster with striving. You take the path of anointing. You take the path of a pure heart. You take the path of his timeline and he will launch you into your destiny faster and further than any man ever could because only he holds the keys to your destiny. Do you believe that? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we believe in Romans 8, 28. We believe that when you say no, we can rejoice. And so right now, just a response for anyone that's saying, Andy, I'm waiting on this. I'm praying for this. And I don't understand how God could continue to be silent. But you want to trust him. You want to serve in the waiting. You want to give this to God this morning. Would you just raise your hand? I'm right there with you. And Father, I just speak over these hands raised, over those online, Habakkuk 1.5, that if you were to tell us the plans you have for us, many of us wouldn't even believe it because we'd be so blown away. God, I speak over these people that you're the God of Ephesians 3.20. You're the God that does far above what we could ever ask of, dream of, or imagine. That's who you are. You're our Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. He loves you. He's for you, and he's fighting with you today. Let's worship together.